0: from the Grant Public Issues team, which takes a look at some of the things that are going on in the world around us and asks how we as Christians might want to respond to them. My name is Matt, I'm one of the interns at JPIT and today I'll be joined by Simeon, our team leader. Two years ago on the 11th of March 2020, the World Health Organization declared the COVID-19 outbreak was a pandemic, meaning the virus had now spread over a very wide area, crossing international boundaries and affecting a large number of people. And it was a few days later that we in the UK were all told to minimise contact with other people and then to stay at home. At this point, restrictions have lifted in England entirely and almost there in the rest of the UK. And it feels like life is starting to get back to normal for many of us. But the pandemic is far from over. Simeon, I wondered if you could talk to us a little about the global situation and how COVID has been experienced by people in countries around the world.
1: Thanks, Matt. It, that's a very big question. And obviously, COVID has affected all of us in in one way or another, most notably, the number of people who have died, sadly, because of COVID, over 6 million deaths now, and still counting 160,000 of those in the UK, of course. When you look around the world, it's it's actually some of the better-off countries of the world that have had the greatest impact on them, that the highest death rates and the highest numbers have been found in middle-income and high-income countries, The most deaths globally have happened in the USA. But hardly anywhere in the world has not been touched by COVID. Very few people listening will not have had their lives disrupted in some way because of it. So in one sense, we've all been in it together but you don't have to look very far to see that some people, some groups, some countries have been much more dramatically affected than others and are still being so. I know, Matt, that you've been looking at some of the data on this. What are some of the things that have struck you?
0: Yeah, so like you said, even some of the better off countries were badly hit in terms of deaths and how much they were hit by COVID itself. And there are many factors that affected that, which involve things like population density, the political response and the extent of lockdown, all of which cut across economic lines. But when it comes to the availability of vaccines, it seems pretty clear that there's a strong link to the wealth of each country. So 63% of the world population has received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. But in countries that are defined as low-income countries, that's only 13.7%. And in countries like Burundi or the Democratic Republic of Congo, it's even lower than 1%. And in high-income countries, if they want to vaccinate 70% of their population, It only requires an increase in average healthcare spending of 0.8%, but in lower income countries, that increase in spending is 50% on what they're already spending. So I think what we can see is, you know, people said at the beginning of the pandemic, this is a great leveller, it's a storm, we're all in the storm together. But there was a response saying, well, actually, some people are in different sized boats to deal with the storm. Um, You know, being rich or poor doesn't necessarily affect whether COVID is going to hit you or not, but it does affect how equipped you are and how resourced you are to be able to get out of it. And if vaccines are the way out of the pandemic, as we've seen, then clearly countries with less capacity to deliver vaccines to their populations are going to take much longer to get out of the stage of the pandemic. So economic inequality is both a reason as to why some countries have had less vaccination rates than others, but that lower delivery of vaccines will also exaggerate the inequality that exists. So as we've spoken about, high levels of vaccination and protecting against the virus do seem to be the way of, of getting out of the, both the health and economic impacts of COVID. How close are we to the pandemic being, in inverted commas, over? I think... Still a very long way, Matt. There's still around
1: 50,000 deaths happening um, each week uh, globally. That's a level that's been sort of fairly consistent for the last six to nine months. It went up a bit with with Omicron, but continues to be about the same level as it was last summer. And it is all to do with the vaccines, which are, as you said, not distributed equitably. It's the wealthy countries that have been at the front of the queue for for access to vaccines and have had the resources to roll them out uh, among their populations. You've already illustrated that with, with many of the statistics that you have shared. I was really struck by that thought that only one in seven people in a lower income country has received a, a COVID vaccine at all. And as you say, this is going to have an impact on, on those countries, which are now more vulnerable to the different variants that are emerging of COVID-19. Are they going to have a slower economic recovery from the virus as well? And as we've experienced with with Omicron, those variants aren't only a threat to people who are not vaccinated, but they're a threat to us all, a threat to us globally. And while they continue
0: to exist, then there is going to be a pandemic situation. So it's clear that the inequitable distribution of vaccines is is our largest barrier. But beyond simply just global economic inequality, what are the specific barriers that are in the way to actually achieving an equitable rollout? Why hasn't that happened? There are a number of factors. Partly is
1: the capacity of of each country uh, through its health systems to distribute vaccines to get it out to their populations. Partly that's to do with cost, but one of the biggest factors has been actually the availability of the vaccines. Countries in in Sub-Saharan Africa in particular have had very little access to to vaccines. Even if they've had the money available to provide them, uh, they've just not been able to get them. They've, They've not been able to get the orders that they have placed. There was this mechanism called COVAX, which was set up by the UN, which was designed to try and share vaccines and ensure the rollout happened in a fair way globally. And there was lip service paid to that by, by many of the wealthier countries. But actually, when it came to making their own decisions about what they did with vaccines, they leapt straight to work with the big drug companies to get their orders in, rather than saying, let's wait and see what COVAX says is the priority. The WHO World Health Organization is currently working towards a goal of 70% of people being fully vaccinated by the middle of this year. That looks like a real challenge to be met because there are so many barriers to the vaccines being available, particularly in the poorer countries. One of the solutions that a number of people are looking at working around the world through an organisation called the Global People's Vaccine Alliance is about suspending intellectual property rights over vaccines and the associated technologies. So that the the big drug companies monopolies um, are are broken and it would enable manufacturing to be set up in, in more places around the world. At the moment, the UK is one of the governments that's resisting that proposal to suspend intellectual property rules and and the patent rights, which would enable the scale up of of the vaccines in the global south. When you consider that that most of these vaccines were developed with a huge amount of public funding, it seems rather strange that that it's the private corporations that are producing the vaccines, that are, are making the profits out of it, and that they have got a monopoly on those markets. The other thing that that the People's Vaccine Alliance is calling for is is sustained investment in global health systems to ensure that poorer countries do have the resources to get shots into arms and to save lives. So that all keys into questions about aid, the international development budget and funding globally. Obviously, there are many needs, including those being created by the war in in Ukraine at the moment, but, but there will be a need for a sustained investment in health systems if this is going to be addressed as a situation.
0: Absolutely. So a lot of the suggestions that the People's Vaccine Campaign are putting forward are really asking big things of governments and the pharmaceutical companies. But what can we do? What can individuals do? What can our churches and our supporters do in response to vaccine inequality? Uh, is there anything? <laughs>
1: I think that there's plenty we can do. As Christians, obviously, we can always pray and uh, bring these matters before others in our prayers as well, um, because raising awareness about the fact that the pandemic isn't over is far from over and that there are many places in the world where it's being very acutely felt still uh, is really important. Uh, just as we relax our restrictions, let, let's let's not forget those places where that's not possible at the moment. Um, I'd encourage people to support charities that are helping poorer countries to strengthen their health systems. Many, many uh, Christian charities and others are playing a vital role in this work. But ultimately, and and we are JPIT, so we think particularly about the political context as well. And there is a real role for for governments, uh, for politicians in looking at issues like these vaccine patents, the People's Vaccine Campaign. I've got a website where you can uh, tweet, tweet politicians and tweet pharmaceutical companies people's peoplesvaccine.org, that's a place you can go and uh, share in that campaign. And we should also be urging politicians to increase spending on international development and continuing to support that global vaccine distribution. Ultimately, government has got a key role to play in addressing this situation and we shouldn't let them off the hook for that.
0: Definitely. Thanks, Simeon. I'd also just encourage each of us today as we listen to this on the two-year anniversary of the pandemic to just take five minutes out of the day and reflect on how your life has changed and how the world has changed since COVID came into all of our lives to enter into this thoughtfully and prayerfully uh, and bring them before God rather than simply just forgetting about it, I think is really important. So thanks so much for your time today, and thank you to everyone for listening. We'll see you next time on 10 Minutes On. Goodbye.